Hey, Vin. Welcome to the show. Yo, what's good? Good to be on here. We actually yeah, man. haven't like had an official talk ever. Yeah, it's always just texts and, uh, you know, it's very different when you actually talk to somebody. So that's uh, a good excuse to like get you on here. And I just want to talk to you about like filmmaking stuff. I mean, that's what we're usually chatting about and uh, in some tech, things like that. Um, it's like, I don't know what, yeah, what it's like to make videos on YouTube lately. Um, for anybody that doesn't know, you do like cinematography filmmaking stuff for MKHB's channel and used to do it a lot for your own, which, uh, you know, I saw you still post some little shorts occasionally on your own channel, but what's like the, you give me the best bio of yourself. Cause you know, your story better than I do. I'm still experimenting. We're always like, we always have stuff on the back burner, so I would say a lot of my time is spent just thinking of as many crazy fun ideas as possible and just crumbling them down all the like smashing them down onto one piece and then presenting it to Marquez and Brandon like on that day. So a lot of back end work, a lot of research and uh, a lot of trying to draw inspiration from a bunch of different sources to try and make something new. What's cool about what you guys are doing over there is you're uh, you know part of a few channels and creators that are like defining a genre that will become like the vocabulary of filmmaking a few years to come and you know i think like the best example of this we've seen in the past is casey you know uh obviously like casey neistat's yeah. style of vlogging that's what we think yeah, of like as a vlog editing now. and like <laughs> the totally. shots like it's so distinct and music choice like there's an yeah. identity to like to it and right before that, I mean, we all kind of forget, but when we started using the word vlog, it was more like this. It was like the thing of mm -hmm. when people just like sit down and just talk to camera and it's like, hey, I had muffins mm -hmm. and cupcakes for breakfast and like, this is my day. <laughs> and that was, that was what a vlog was before Casey. I'm not, I mean, I know he didn't invent it. I'm not familiar yeah. with who did invent it, but he very much defined like what we think of as that style of storytelling now. Um, and, you know, YouTube's not like a finished product. We're obviously going to keep like evolving in what that storytelling is exactly. But, uh, you know, you guys are at a place where, you know, you have the resources to put together the best in the world filmmaking stuff. And the audience is such that it's going to define what people expect tech videos to look like. This is what a tech video is. Um, so, yeah, it's cool. Like every day you, you're being part of that creating that world so i don't know it's been awesome to watch too and the funny thing so yeah we haven't talked before but a little history of let brendan or brandon came on right the day that he found out he was going to take the job with marquez which you guys did like basically at the same time right yeah i think i was actually there for that podcast like in the background just like listening <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah, and it was like it was just total coincidence. Like I had no idea that this was even a maybe thing. And he's like, "Oh, by the way, mm -hmm. uh, this is starting." So, yeah, it's, I'm glad yeah. we could finally complete the circle, get both you on. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I don't know any any thoughts on that sort of general language of what YouTube is like uh, from a filmmaking perspective. Oh, man, I feel like a lot of people, like kids, are getting really good at picking things up really fast but it's kind of hard to build your own sort of style when there's so much influence that you like and you it's it's so easy to like copy but copying is the fastest way of learning so there's a lot of talent out there so i don't know time's only gonna tell what uh, youtube's gonna unfold and uh so far 
kids are good. Like, holy shit. <laughs> They'll surprise yeah. you. Like I've seen 13, 15 year olds just doing what I was doing like three years ago. You're saying kids, but I think I got to have like 10 years on you or something. <laughs> so I oh, have, yeah, the, I, yeah. I know exactly the same feeling. <laughs> like it's, that's the way yeah. it goes, but it's the same with when, you know, like I know photographers and filmmakers that are older than me as well, that they had this feeling and it's, it's been like kind of this March for the last like 30 years where tech, tech has enabled this insane fast rate of, of growth in terms of creativity, like because because the tools got so good at relatively affordable yeah. levels, all of a sudden, yeah, it democratizes it. We can all do an amazing job. Tutorials are out there mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm still oh, yeah. watching like, yeah. every day. Um, yeah, and- same. Like, I love tutorials. <laughs> I still watch them. <laughs> do you have I still any, watch like, the you basic watch- ones, too. Like, What are you watching lately? Like, what, what what's something that helped you out in the last little while? Uh, definitely color grading. I just love like super artsy videos that don't even like say much, but like you're just there to absorb it all. And that's been really fun to watch. I'm trying to get a little more into resolve right now. So with the C200, my workflow was grading. I'd like pre-grade a lot of stuff or kind of everything in resolve uh, and like mix it down. And then that's what I edited with in final cut is like ProRes graded files, which is like weird workflow now i got the c70 mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense anymore because before i was trying to ditch the raw files right now c70 it's not raw um so there's more of a like live grading thing and i'm trying to figure out that balance of how will i edit and grade at the same time but i still like editing a final cut i don't want to leave final cut um so anyway i'm just like trying to get to know resolve better be a lot more fluid in it more comfortable in it um and there's like some really great content out there about like, it's crazy what you can do in resolve. It's really amazing software. I think recently I feel like final cut is so close to being perfect. Like we do a lot of the things on there, a lot of the magical stuff that you see, but after effects is still pulling us away. And um, I don't know. I feel like coloring is pretty solid on final cut. It's probably not as good as DaVinci resolve with like, I think they have like a plugin for film emulations and stuff like that's pretty f- sick. Like, I don't know. I love like all of the theoretical fun stuff behind DaVinci, but there's something about the final cut workflow that it's just like straight to the point and you just get your ideas out really quick. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you stay in final cut when you're grading then? Like, do you go into result? Like, do you don't cross back and forth. It's like, the main edit and the main grade when you're doing that will be like, that's where you feel comfortable is final cut. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's pretty good now, but they're still missing the tracker. I think that's the only thing really. Yeah. There's yeah. It's like, it's like these little details for me, a lot of it's really good. It is really good. And again, now like almost all my grade is, is in final cut, but it's things like, Okay, let's say I want to change. This is so specific. Like five people are going to care about this. Okay, let's say you're in the hue versus hue section of upgrading or hue versus saturation, any of those. There's a little button at the bottom of DaVinci that lets you add points to like red, yellow, uh, you know, blue, magenta. Like you can just drop a point in there. And that just makes it way easier to start manipulating things. Whereas in Final Cut, you have to like click two points on either side and then click a third point in the middle and then you start sliding it. Whereas DaVinci does that automatically. That is such a small detail. Yeah, it's just like a like a little intuitive like step in there yeah. that just makes it so when you bend it, it's not as like strange. 
<laughs> yeah, it doesn't take like the whole curve with it because because uh, mm-hmm. if you do it wrong, which you can do it wrong more easily in Final Cut, now all of a sudden, yeah, you've started. You're trying to do reds and your blues moved. Um, and there's just like a million little spots like that that Da Vinci's just had ten years to evolve that interface. And since Final Cut didn't get good at color until recently, you know, it's yeah, I don't, I, I don't know, but um. What what else? Like, what about where where did you learn a lot of the stuff that you have learned? Because like you're, I mean, you're talking about kids being good. Like, yeah, you're you're a kid and you're amazing at it. So like, where did you pick up a lot of your general filmmaking skills? Like, is it kind of all YouTube? Oh yeah, definitely just all YouTube. A lot of music videos for inspiration on like colors and editing speed and I don't know, like just all kinds of different like crazy videos i tried not to watch tech videos honestly anymore for inspiration i get that feeling too and for me i especially don't watch videos that are the most in the same genre as me like things Mm -hmm. that people are most likely to be watching right after my video because i don't that's not where i want to end up like pulling ideas from i I mean Mm -hmm. for me anyway it's like i don't want it to seem like i was ripping something off from somebody that's doing something similar to me. It's like, I'd rather draw from inspiration from like totally unrelated stuff. But um, I, I think I it, also try to like find things that people can relate to. Cause that's what like a lot of my filmmaking like comes from. Cause that's what kind of YouTube is. Like it has to be relatable in a way, but like there's all kinds of like videos on, cause there's all different kinds of people. So I feel like a lot of my job is just decorating a lot. So I try yeah. to like pull inspiration for decorating from different sources. Well, yeah. So like when you say relatable, like what is a, what's an example of something that makes it feel that way? I don't know. It's kind of like a weird feeling that you get when you take a device and you have to like, all right. So this all stems from Marquez's whole theory of realism and putting the audience like in the driver's seat we try to come up with things that trigger your your eyes and like your senses when you look at this device and put things around it to like remind you of where it can be and you can be like a thing i think about on those same terms is making spaces feel a little bit lived in like to, okay so when you look at commercials right now for tech products there's a lot of shots you'll see that are just like floating in white space, you know, floating in black yeah. space or floating in a colored space. And, uh, you know, especially like every new iPhone, actually every phone, every single phone announcement will have some moment where it's just like really close up, detailed, perfect, perfectly lit, perfect in every way. <laughs> Usually moving around CGI, in a cinema 4D. Yeah. Just and that's the thing is it is all <laughs> fake. And so I think when you start trying to recreate that, if like you can do that in studio, you can totally do like floating on a background, but it makes the viewer think of, Oh, CGI, not real, mm-hmm. doesn't exist. This might as well be coming from the manufacturer. Um, I mean, that's how I think of it anyway. So then if you do a good job of like staging and art direction, that's what makes it like, it could only be in your space, right? Like it could only be yep. only you could have taken that shot. Cause it's got reality around it. Yeah, because like when you watch it, there's there's no like distraction or separation, and everything just works in sync, and it feels like a its own world that it exists in. And then you can also like jump in and be like, "Ooh, look at all of this stuff! (laughs) Oh, look at this! Oh, I didn't see it that way before." 
where yeah. are you drawing inspiration? Like, do you keep track of inspiration for that stuff? Like, do you have like Pinterest boards of like, oh, this is a cool layout. I like these colors together. Or is it just kind of like, you know, off the cuff, like, oh, this is what I'm in the mood for today. Or this is like, you know, do you, do you like formalize it with some core kind of a mood board? Uh, I've been trying to do that more recently, but I used to just endlessly watch music videos and different types of like photography and try and just pull colors and like moods from and it used to be easy doing it but as like all of these phones come out it all piles up and now you're like (laughs) okay i need to have like a set like right like list of themes or something like a a playbook of some sort so now i'm trying to like use shot deck or like um more a lot of more typing but I think I want to get into more like iPad drawings. Brandon's super good with the drawings and I've been trying to do more of like that kind of backend work to make on-set shooting a lot faster and easier. And also being able to communicate that to other coworkers easier. I've been watching a friend on uh Twitter that does he's <clears throat> he's doing like scene cutting in Resolver Premiere where you know you like detect the scenes choosing his favorite bits from the all and exporting them as like gifts in a table so that he can, so it's not just like a mood board, but he has like little animated shots of like his favorite references. Mm. And I'm like, Oh, I've got to start doing that. That'd be so awesome to be able to like, to not only, you know, look at like, so shot deck, if anybody isn't familiar with what you're talking about, it's basically um, a website that takes stills from movies, like kind of the most beautiful moments. So you can reference like lighting ideas and composition. And it, it sort of turns cinematography into photography. So you can study and break down those individual moments. Um, and it's a great service. Like it's really nice for that. Yeah. But there's like a lot it, of like cheat sheet info on there. Like they'll tell you what camera they used, like all kinds of things. Like, Totally, it's yeah. super like easy to break down, break it all down when you can see like a bunch of visually appealing things, and then you can pick from those like what you like about them a lot easier. So you don't have to guess the lens, right? Because I, mm-hmm. I play that game when I'm watching yeah. movies all the time. Like mm, twenty four, uh, fifty five. Oh, I love uh, that game. I'm probably, I'm probably wrong <laughs> we half the time. Play I that. Just, it makes me feel <laughs> calm, like oh, I know what's yeah. up, but I'm probably wrong a lot, right? Like I don't necessarily know yeah. if they're shooting uh on a full frame or a super 35 or whatever but yeah Yeah, and then post processing and then crop after and then you're like this was shot on nine mil actually (laughs) and you're (laughs) like this is cropped all the way to like 50 this episode of the stallman podcast is brought to you by Fortnite, which is super cool to have as a sponsor and i don't need to explain what Fortnite is to you do i i mean you, you guys know what Fortnite is but they do have something specific that they wanted me to let you guys know the new season of Fortnite is here and if you play Fortnite or know anything about it you'll know that the storyline evolves with every season and it's better than ever whether you're playing battle royale daily or hopping in for daily events in party royale the island changes with every development that gets thrown at us Now the island has grown wild, so must you. Experience the Zero Crisis finale in-game now and pick up the Season 6 Battle Pass to run wild across primitive landscapes with Lara Croft, Teen Titans, Raven, and Agent Jones. So go to fn.gg slash season 6 to check it all out. That's fn.gg slash season 6 or just click the link in the show notes. 
Thanks again to Fortnite for supporting the show. But uh, yeah, so the reason I want to get, and this is actually a reason that I think anybody that like likes to make videos should do this kind of exercise is to like go in and try to find, find the things that you like so that you can really have like a direct connection with it. And, and this idea of, yeah, like building your own mood boards um, and finding your own references and not, not just relying on what other people are feeding you as their inspiration, because I find like we can all end up getting the exact same inspiration. Like if you search Pinterest for cinematography yeah, cinematography, I guess you'll find all the, the yeah. same shots over and over and over. And we, they're great shots. We all love them, but we're, we've become very familiar with them, but there's so much work out there that like we don't, or I don't want to only be looking at the exact same inspiration that everybody else is so that we don't end up all having like, the exact same shots in the end. Right. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I want to start building up more of a, a reference <laughs> the, point. The Peter McKinnon tutorials. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just nothing but a, you no might offense, as well Peter just go McKinnon. to his, uh, don't kill yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it's, it's true. It's like, we don't want to, that was an effect that I think Peter had on the like camera world mm-hmm. too, is like, everybody is drawing inspiration from Peter, so all the videos start having a similar feeling. It's like, no, like, yeah, if you're making a, a camera thing, video, huh? totally. Yeah. I mean, I love coffee, <laughs> but I intentionally don't do videos about it because of that. Yeah. Right. Because it's like, well, yeah. he claimed it. He got it. Like, cool. He beat me to the punch. Yeah. So I better That's his do thing. Else. Like, let him have it. Like, yeah. come on. Yeah. But but there are things in like in completely different genres that may be more worth stealing. Like, or I mean, I'm saying stealing. I do mean stealing though, but like, you know, there's, there's, there's things in beauty videos. You could go and be like, you know, that concept would be really interesting if I applied it to, to tech or to a photo. Oh, absolutely. You know, you can pull, or I mean, I think it's something that's under mined, underutilized for mining ideas is, is just Mm -hmm. commercials. Um, like, if you oh, just start paying attention to say car commercials or anything that's like really big budget, there's some mm-hmm. amazing, incredibly beautiful shots that are being done by the highest level movie cinematographers. Mm-hmm. Commercials aren't like there are commercial only cinematographers, but I think it gets discounted because they come on, you know, in between your videos, your YouTube videos, or they come on in between your TV show. Mm-hmm. So people kind of ignore them, but like, there's amazing work in there. And you, if you spend some time like taking out the best moments, you can find mm-hmm. a lot of inspiration. Um, so yeah, like trying to find like what's something unrelated to what I do. So yeah, in my example, my example, here's like a car commercial. You can just find all these yeah, you shots. Gotta, that are like, wow, this is cool. Yeah. You got to really check your sources. Cause uh, what you, it's, it's kind of like you are what you eat. So you just, kind of produce what you absorb yeah like when it comes to filmmakers as well like you can see that effect with um soundtracks which this is this -hmm. is the video that i loved was the breakdown of like okay here's why marvel movies all sound the same and why you can't remember the theme music to any marvel movies. oh yeah i've seen that you saw that yeah that was great and it was like they all sound like super generic yeah totally and even now they work in the moment but that's like that film factor and then that youtube factor is that that one thing that sticks in your brain and you can just remember it every single time and it's always like that's how youtube videos i feel like are filmed now like there's that not clickbait aspect but like that personal touch that like you just wouldn't think about that's like in the back of your mind 
Yeah, totally. And then what well what happened with the Marvel situation is they were using like play and a lot of other modern movies like Transformers and stuff. They're using placeholder songs from other movies, like other recent action movies. And as they're editing, you use temp music, right? Which isn't going to be the final thing. So you're waiting for the scoring to be done because like the orchestra hasn't come in yet or whatever. And as the edit happens, you get attached to that temp music. So we end up structuring the soundtracks around that same temp music that is now five generations old and reused. And like every movie is referencing the last movie that came out before it. And then it's only when somebody totally breaks that cycle that we get something interesting. So like, I love the, the, this is such a perfect anecdote for finding inspiration, but like the, all of Chris Nolan's conversation, Chris, Chris, like he's my buddy, Chris, (laughs) Chris Nolan's (laughs) good old Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. His, he's every film he talks about, like where the inspiration from the music comes from and uh, interstellar, for example, he had only told Hans Zimmer that this is going to be a story about like a daughter, a father and daughter and, you know, their relationship. And that's what the, that's what the movie is. That's all he told him. He said nothing about space or time travel or any of the crazy <laughs> shit that happens in that movie. It's like, it's like, no, this is about relationships. And that's the score that Hans Zimmer came back with. And then that became like the, one of the most iconic recent scores and same with, um, like everything that he's done lately has become iconic because it's disconnected. Yeah. That's pretty insane that like, you can just know those people that have that same sense with you that they can just, you just give them a couple of words and they're like, okay, I got you. Bam. I also want to, I also want to touch on some gear. It's hard to avoid. Like I, uh, oh, yeah. it's, it, it's good. It's good to talk about the artistry because I think people <sighs> spend too little time on it, but I'm, you know, mm. as, as gear hungry as anybody else. Um, what, what, what are you shooting on right now? We were chatting about the R5, uh, on, uh, text messages just before this. How are you feeling about the R5 lately? Now that it's had an update. C log three is pretty decent, but there's something about C log and just the overall Canon image and, I don't know. I'm just at like a scramble for cameras right now and I can't decide on anything. <laughs> I feel like they all kind of, they're all limited in some way, but like maybe that's just me being in the camera, like being ac- like it's, it's access to all of these like awesome cameras. You, you can find all of these like flaws in them and what you like in this one or like that one. But I think I've been playing around with the idea of getting an FX3, a Komodo, or an R5. And so far, I'm thinking about the Komodo, but there's just something about the autofocus that's like holding me back and committing to that full ecosystem that's like a little daunting. That's a it's a really widespread of cameras. Like they're they're pretty different yeah. between them. <laughs> they're you're very like, different. Yeah. Yeah, like you say you're getting big trade-offs. It's definitely not like oh, they're almost identical. Um Mm-hmm. And that's part of the challenge of choosing right now is that like there's so many good ones, but you are making a compromise no matter what. Um, and yeah, I've talked about the Komodo a lot on here, and I, I think mostly I was talking about it before a lot of people had it in hand, and I think more people have talked about the limitations since then. Um, like Tommy, who hadn't was on here before he had gotten his and then sold it two weeks after he got it. Uh, talked a lot about the idea of that like it really becomes challenging when you don't have um, a few other like a team that can help support 
any kind of red shooting, you know, but you, I mean, you, you've been around them a lot more. Like I haven't actually done a real shoot with red. I've only done like sort of YouTube test videos. Uh, like, do you feel that when you're working with red? Like, does, does that concern you about owning your own Komodo that like, it'd be harder to operate by yourself? I think it's just like a weird commitment issue. Cause most of the time it's me and Brandon operating the red and we can definitely do it like one person and we can get away with uh, looking like two people, two or three people did it. But I don't know. I, I'm just so picky now and they're, they're all just so good. I think that I'm just having a difficult time. It's, it's really like a, like a 1% like weird picky thing, but they're honestly all really good. What, what would get you to not buy the FX three, which like, so that, cause that's like the balance between the threes, right? Like I can see the challenge with the Komodo is, yeah, it's like, you gotta be more on top of your batteries. You gotta buy more media, be dumping it more often. Like kind of the, you're babying the camera a little more. And then on the R5, less babying, like it can handle itself a lot more, but uh, you know, it's got the great autofocus and stuff. But the image quality is not the same. It doesn't have the same dynamic range, things like that. Yeah. Uh, so it seems like, okay, why not just jump in the middle for the FX3? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of like, because the body style is there. That's what I wanted out of the Komodo. But it has the form factor of the R5. And the, I think the colors out of Sony recently, the default picture profile is incredible. So yeah. I can get yeah, away with Outlog. I'm not even going to shoot S-Log3 on that. Like that's... I find it almost pointless for me at least, but some <laughs> sure. people can fight me for that. <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't shot it. So I, I like, you're talking about the new Cinetone profile. Is that the, the like sexy one that you're thinking of where it's oh, like, it's, uh, we, that's like the, that's the one that everybody that I've seen talking about the FX three is, is hyped on, but yeah, that's supposed to be like the Venice color science, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually like the, the pick, the default one without oh the, okay with yeah. all of the stuff yeah just the one straight out the box i i right. thought it looks good cool i think but then well, not, not on the oh, it looks good but. not on the canon as much like do you because on the canon what were you shooting because you have you have an r5 now or like you have access to one but like how yeah. do you shoot it when you're using it do you go c-log or do you just shoot it on something standard yeah i used to shoot c-log and now c-log three so I'm just testing out all these cameras. I don't own any of these. I don't have an FX3. I'm I'm playing around with an A1 and an A7S3 at work. Yeah. And I'm playing around with a Komodo <laughs> at work. But yeah, like you've tried so many now that it's like uh yeah. are you just going to be wishing you had all the other features that you know you'll be missing. I already have that with so I got C70 now. So so happy with it. Like it's exactly what I wanted. But I do miss things from the R5 having played with it for a while. Like the image stabilization was so helpful in the R5 when you're just like running gun handheld, being able to just stand there and like it's rock solid, no concerns Mm -hmm. about any weird warping or like anything kind of looking crappy from it. Um, Yeah. But also to add on to that, the FX3 has the uh, the Sony Catalyst software, so you can like just use the gyro data, and I thought that was brilliant because that's what kind of like brings like the IBIS from the R5 and also like the global shutter aspect from the Komodo, and it like kind of like has this like weird mix of like both of those features. 
Well, and yeah, so if anybody hasn't seen that, it's that you use the gyroscopic data inside the camera as being recorded, and then in post, you can apply it to the footage to get a properly stabilized footage in the way that an iPhone stabilizes, like by using its gyroscope, and it cancels out the movement of the camera versus something digital looks at the scene and tries to understand the movement, which has strong artifacts like it, it's really it's it's mm-hmm. a lot you're a lot more constrained in what you can do in pure digital stabilization um have you actually used it on the fx3 because like my only concern is that it would slow down the workflow so much that you'd end up like uh i'm just not going to bother like you'd use it less often in the end but did you end up really using it or uh no i haven't used used it yet um <laughs> okay. i haven't used an fx3 yet oh okay but well, also gotta... i'm testing these like all on my free time like after work and most of the time honestly i'm touching a monstro so right for real for real that's the best camera <laughs> like out of everything <laughs> well, yeah. so i don't yeah, know I but mean, for that's... personal work i think i'm leaning towards komodo and fx3 right now Do, is there a reason you're looking at the fx3 and not the c70 because i mean you know I got to say, I'm a, I'm a fan of the C70, so I got to at least try to give it a, a voice yeah. in your uh, in your thought process. But um, I just like the the form factor. Like, I just like the way it looks. It just looks super cool. And, yeah, that's uh, true. The the C70 looks like a stills camera. It doesn't look like a video camera. Yeah, yeah. Not as a. It doesn't look like all sci-fi, cyberpunky esque. Yeah, yeah. But if, I mean, mm-hmm. if we're going off looks, it's it would 100% be the Komodo in my books. Like I absolutely oh, love yeah. that design. It's like one of the best designs in a few years. So, yeah, just I I still like Komodo for the overall ergonomics and the way you can rig it because it just feels like it almost feels like weaponized, and you can you get your points of contact really good, and the image that comes out of it is still not comparable to mirrorless at all to me in my eyes in the way that it just moves and the way it pulls color is red raw is so good i just can't get over it honestly yeah absolutely i mean there's something amazing about bring when you bring your footage in and you know you see the log preview and in one click in the conversion to from log to rec 709 and then all of a sudden it looks like a movie it's so satisfying. And like, if you just come from the mirrorless world and you're, you're not really used to that, like shooting on a seven S twos and a seven R fours and Canon R's, all those you'd, you'd like fight with it for a few hours. And you're like, I think it looks normal. Mm -hmm. I think this looks right or cool (laughs) or whatever, but the red footage or others, you know, like the, any of the pro Canon or pro Sony stuff now as well, you drop the right LUT on there and it just looks like the movies like it and it feels so satisfying and in red especially yeah because there's a few of those different profiles like the low con and the high con and like they all just look so nice yeah it's hard to hard to compete with that this episode is brought to you by a tool for all you filmmakers out there it's mix kit which is a free place to download all kinds of assets for your next video mix kit has four different kinds of assets that you can download they've got royalty free stock they've got music tracks they've got video templates which are for after effects premiere pro final cut resolve whatever it is you use and then they also have sound effects that's a lot of stuff for free 
and it's attribution free as well. So that means you can just put it in your next project. You don't have to put it in the credits at the end. You can just use this stuff. They're constantly adding to their library. So every week there are new clips. You can keep going back, finding more for your next project. And that means you could use this for a website background or for a YouTube video or social posts, or even if you just want to practice your editing, you can get free resources there. You can download as many as you need across a whole range of categories like cities, travel, drone shots, nature clips, and much more. You're going to go to mixkit.co slash r slash Stallman. That's mixkit.co slash r slash Stallman. And there you're going to find out more. And just start downloading. You don't have to. You don't have to buy anything. Just go there. Da- download some free clips. Thanks again, Mixkit, for supporting the show. Yeah, Red Raw. I think that I just saw a video on this, and I found out that Red Raw is patented by like Red. You can't shoot raw on any other camera. Otherwise, Canon would have done it. Blackmagic would have done it. Sony would have done it. But they all have like their own version of raw, but not quite raw. Like you can't adjust the white balance in post and the there's like a lot of like different sliders you can play with and they just magically pull the footage somehow yeah it's super weird they're all dancing around it somebody is paying a license to red i don't remember who's actually paying for it yeah i know like canon's raw light they like modified what it is in a way to not step on red's patent um, and that's, that's what you're saying. Like they're all doing something to kind of try to like dodge needing to pay red for the raw stuff, but red, yeah, like comp- compressing raw footage is red's game. And they also are able to get the compression ratio to like so much smaller files while maintaining that image quality that nobody else has been able to compete with. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, to- I, I hear you. I would absolutely love to be shooting it. Um, a few thoughts on C log three if you're going to be playing with it, because you said you haven't a lot yet, right? Like you're just t- starting yeah, to touch it. I haven't it? even, I haven't <laughs> opened your LUTs yet. My bad on that. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just, yeah, I'm just to, trying to help it. out of it if you can. But the thing yeah. I want to make sure I get the word out there, like PSA, because based on comments that I've gotten every time I talk about C-Log 2 and C-Log 3, a lot of people don't know yet that C-Log 2 is the flattest, mo- highest dynamic range profile. And I, that is all Canon's fault because you know, you'd mm-hmm. think like one, two, three, three should be the most, right? Um, <laughs> three, three is, is the not. highest number. It should be the best one, right? Wrong. I mean, it, it <laughs> literally yeah. should. It, it makes no sense that it's not. That's a huge mistake. Um, but it's the way, so Canon first released, I think they start. yeah, they started with C log on the like C 100. So, you know, kind of, it's barely log. Like, honestly, it's, it's kind of just like the contrast is turned down. Um, you get like you get like a, a smoother image, like it's got a bit more of that buttery feel, but it's not really giving you a lot more dynamic range. Like you don't, it, it doesn't pull back a lot of highlights or anything. It's just like a smoother roll off. Um, then they released C Log Two, which is very similar to like Alexa Log C, which is that's like the gold standard of log. Like yeah. that's the default. That's that's the default log, and. Um, and it's is perfect. And C log two from Canon is kind of, is pretty close to that. And you can cross the LUTs over between them and it looks awesome. Um, but then they were like, okay, at the time, Canon only had uh, a lot of cameras were still only eight bit, and it would be too much of a struggle to grade C log two footage, the super flat stuff. You couldn't quite grade it from like the C three hundred mark 
one or mark two i don't remember the generations so they added a new thing called c log three that was in between the two so it's like a little bit flatter than c log not as flat as c log two and just easier to grade but it's not it's not all the way like it's still like a half step and only yeah it's still log footage to me and like i don't know i'm over log footage honestly <laughs> you just want to shoot we, like straight to your profile. We need, we need right, yeah. raw. Yeah. Well, and and then that was the thing that was missing before with the even if you're shooting raw on the R5 before you couldn't convert the raw to C log 2 or whatever. So like w- yeah, what we really need is raw that can convert over into C log 2, which you can't even do right now. So but that's what the C200 does. So anyway, I just it needs to be the same as that. This is all like so rattle, but do you um spend a lot of time like digging like is it fun or frustrating to like dig into the details for you it's kind of a mixed bag a lot of the time i try to look for like i'm not a very technical person when i go to work but when i'm at home that's when i like research all the technical stuff because when i um i don't know i've never explained this process really so it's kind of hard What's well, a good time um, to now you can, we can do some yeah. inner soul searching. It's not frustrating, but it's, I guess it's part of the job now, just like watching YouTube and understanding all these new cameras. But most of the time when I show up to work, I just, Marquez just tells me, make this look cool. And I just make it look cool. <laughs> so I don't know. Like well, I'm a, not very technical skill. and mm, yeah, I just like watching, like I'll watch the, funniest randomest videos and somehow that just like conjures into this like like it just translates somehow i don't know strange no that's that's i mean that's good like you got a secret sauce and you don't uh necessarily know how to explain it but um like i don't know i just show up and i just feel it out do you have any other favorite toys uh you've been playing with in terms of filmmaking like is there anything that's been helping you get your job done better than you could a year ago Oh, we recently got this new slider from Kessler. It's their Ooh. heavier Cine, like the big boy version. And we've been flying Monstro on that and no jitters. So good. <laughs> yeah, well, that, I, very minimal I, jitters. Yeah. <laughs> There's always some jitters. Yeah, yeah, I know the struggle of that's, like trying That's to, the thing. Like yeah. all these tools, that nothing is perfect. When you watch it back... It's so fast that it feels perfect. But to me, I see all of the flaws. So when you ask all of these right. like heavy technical questions, I'm like, I don't know. I just watched the video like two seconds ago. I'm just here to, I just show up and I'm like, okay, let's make shit look cool. Yeah. 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 But yeah. so far so good with it. I mean, like I, I've used many different sliders and so many of them. Like even right now, so like the Rhino I've been using lately and I was featuring in the last video, it like was producing some perfect footage for me. Then in my last shoot, I was definitely getting some visible jitter in it. I'm just like, I just want it to be perfect. And that was like the best, it still is the best slider I've used and I'm still fighting it to like be actually smooth. But I mean, the Kessler, I, I imagine like there becomes this change when you like the wheels get bigger and the rails get bigger is Mm -hmm. is it that kind of thing like everything's just sized up a little yeah i think it's just like the structural like weight support i don't know how to explain that like yeah just like the it just feels heftier so it can handle more i guess yeah i think 
manual slider like you know those like super old sliders where you see like the metal like steel beams and like there's like skateboard wheels on it i think that's still the best slider for smoothness but all of all right so uh i'm about to i'm, I'm about to go into this there's a lot of different kind of sliders right and they're all good at their own thing so you kind of have to pick and choose your poison and a lot of the time we just pick what's what gets our ideas out fast and what's repeatable because we do a lot of party tricks for Marquez and um, we don't use a manual slider anymore. We mostly use uh, the motorized one, the Kessler. Makes sense. Because, yeah, and then it's mm-hmm. like you can just keep doing the same shot over and over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's easier to just like, all right, I want you to start here and end here. Go. Yeah. That's it. No, it's so worth it. I, I Yeah. Because, yeah, when, once you're doing the auto, the manual thing, it's like every shot is a little different. And that also can mean there's certain, like, VFX you can't do. You can't, like, swap objects. In mm-hmm. that, so the, You're going to be upgrading your own camera soon. Does that mean we can see more from you? I mean, I'd love to see your channel slightly exist a, a little more. Like, you, you got these little fun ones. Do you have any, like, personal fami- filmmaking plans coming up? Uh, Kind of. I'm just, like, feeling it out right now, honestly. And... uh I think my camera search is still going to continue for maybe another half a year, but at least I have access to a bunch of cool friends and people that can operate the cameras for me. And like, I don't know. I just got a lot of options. So well, the, I'm going to keep on The good news looking. is once you choose a camera, you're going to keep looking for a new camera. The, the new search starts right after that. And you start looking forward to your next one. That's how it's been for me. Anyway. Yeah, you're right. You're right. The end after I get that the one, there's going to be another better one that comes out three years later. Yeah. And then I cry. All right. Well, we're, well, I super appreciate you coming on, man. I love your work. I'm going to keep watching it. And yeah, if anybody, I mean, if anybody's not following you, because obviously you're not just MKBHD, you've got your own universe. I mean, go find Vin on Twitter, Instagram, uh, anywhere else people should be following you. Yeah, that's it.